So this is a story from a very ancient book called the Srimad Bhagavatam. It's a 5,000 year old text. This is volume one. Uh, this is actually 1.1. If you have the whole set in about, in this size volumes, it would be about 44 volumes long. So it's a large book. You can see some of it there. Larger, larger version there. And so the story is there was once a, a being from a higher planet, from a, like an angelic being. His name was Uru, Uru Ganva, something like that. You know him as Narda Muni. I don't remember. It's tough remembering one lifetime lambs. <laughs> I can't remember Jason's name from his past lifetime. It just skips my mind. Turtle. <laughs> turtle? Turtle. <laughs> Such a cute little turtle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And let me ask, this, since it's your first time here, do you have any questions you would like to, on your top of your head? All right. Okay, so it's a wonderful story. Basically, Narada Muni, he, he narrates his past two lifetimes. Gives us hints about his past two lifetimes. And previously he was like this angelic being. And he was kind of uh, the rock star amongst the gods. He was... He was like a, basically a rock star in heaven. And he had come to a, an event that was meant for spiritual upliftment. Actually, I looked up that word. It doesn't actually exist in the dictionary. Upliftment. But is, does anybody have a, a different word? This seems most fitting. Upliftment. It's not in the dictionary. <laughs> they should they should create that word. Put it in the dictionary. <laughs> Actually, if, if all of us say it and use it and and then get more people to use it, then it will go. Yeah. Yeah. Spiritual. Spiritual. Elevation. Ascension. Ascension. Ascension kind of gives the idea of, of death, though, that you're liberating, isn't it? Uh, no, I just think of, no. of, just, of like going from a low point to a higher point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When I think you ascension... Yeah. Okay. You, you know the elevators in, yeah. in, in Spanish okay. is ascensor. All right. Ascensor. So we have... <laughs> so he went to a spiritual event and started to sing some, some love songs. And basically it didn't vibe very well with the people there because they were actually there to study about spiritual life and have deep discussions. And this was this heavenly being and quite famous for his music and talent. But he basically sang like a modern song about you know, how great he is and how he loves this girl and, and such. 
And the beings that existed on that platform said, you don't really belong here. You should go to Earth, where they do those things. <laughs> because we're talking about spiritual matters here. And they basically cursed him to take birth on Earth. He was actually put in that position because of his past karma. But it's, he wasn't taking advantage of it because he was at a very nice uh, event that was into the discussion of spiritual matters. But he basically made it more self-centered. So in his next life, he was born the son of a maid. Not a very well-off maid, but a... Hi, Nani! Rasalila's here. We're telling the story of Narada Muni. It goes from three lifetimes. Nani, do you know the story of Narada Muni? She hasn't heard that one again. Okay. So he was, he was an angelic being, the rock star amongst the angels. But he tried to kind of crash a, a philosophical spiritual party. And the other angels cursed him and said, you take birth on earth because we're not into that here. If you want to sing songs about yourself, go to earth. That's what everyone does. <laughs> Fair enough. So he took birth as a son of a maid. And he was, they, they weren't very well off at all. His, his mother, um, she was a maid in a, a, a priest school. So because of that um, situation, they actually had some good fortune. Not materially, but spiritually had the good fortune of hearing from uh, spiritualists on spiritual discussions. So there is a time period called the Chatur Masya 4. Uh, Chatur means four, Masya means months. And in India, there's a, there's a four-month rainy season where it has monsoon rains, torrential rains. And it rains so bad that it's, it's unsafe to travel. And traditionally, monks are called parirajikacharyas, which means they travel around and teach others about spiritual life. And so, so great, some great monks decided to take refuge of this school for the four months. And that's how monks would survive, that they, they, those who are, have businesses or houses would care for them, just as you care for your own children, the, the saintly class of people that would teach and live. Uh, they wouldn't take any type of income, but they would be taken care of by the general public. And so they decided to stay there. And the, this maid would, would help them. She would sometimes uh, cut up the vegetables for them, and they would cook, and they would also feed her. And it was this nice exchange going on. And the boy, who would also, he would help them, and he would eat the food that they would cook. And they would cook, actually, as a form of meditation. They would cook with lots of love and devotion. They would cook foods that are uh, in the mode of goodness, or that are clean and pure and illuminating. And, and on top of that, they would always be discussing spiritual matters. So just by being in their association, this boy was... Although he was only around five years old, he 
gained a lot of wisdom. And, and also some, he also gained some type of spiritual experiences just by uh, seeing the happiness of these people, the simplicity of these people. But one day some ill fortune, seemingly ill fortune, seemed to approach him. His mother was out milking a cow. And what came by, Rasalila? Do you know? Starts with an S. Nani, any guesses? What starts with an S that could have gone by while she was milking the cow? Snake. Snake. <laughs> so a scary snake came by. I didn't tell you this was going to be a scary story. Ooh. <laughs> she brought her flashlight, so she's ready. Jai, and the teddy bear. <laughs> and the teddy bear. Wonderful. So, a snake came by, bit her on the ankle, and her mother, his mother died very shortly. So here's this five-year-old boy. He's, uh, he's the son of a maid. He doesn't have any extended family. He has no support. Basically, he is like a homeless child. But he does have some spiritual wisdom. And so this boy decides just to go trekking. Just a little kid. But he decides just to go trekking. And so he just walks and walks. He walks through metropolis, uh, metropolises, villages. He goes through uh, little towns, uh, gardens, agricultural fields. He goes through mountains. He sees caves that have has gold, has gold and silver. He uh, passed through forests, sharp grass, he uh, thick bamboo. Some of it very very hard to pass through. Uh, and he f finally f uh, stops trekking and settles near a river and quenches his thirst and feels relief from his fatigue. And there he sees a great banyan tree and decides to sit under the banyan tree and begin meditation as he had learned from these great sages. So this boy, he sat in meditation for a very, very long time. He would balance it the airs or the life airs within his body to the point where he could withdraw his senses just like a turtle withdraws its limbs. He could withdraw the active uh, engagement of the senses. So although his eyes might have been partly open, he was not seeing anything. Just like if you go similarly, if someone is asleep, you can open their eyes and that sense is not active. So he was withdrawing his, but he was, he's not, a lot of people do meditation there. <laughs> They're actually just asleep. But he was internally um, withdrawing his consciousness. And he was focusing on not making his mind empty. He wasn't focusing on the energy all around him. But he was focusing on the Lord within the heart. We find that there is this intelligent guiding principle or force that's behind everything. You find the birds are flying south for the winter. 
every single animal is getting their food. Unless humans interfere, you will not find starvation. Because there's this intelligence that's guiding everything according to their needs and desires. And that is, according to the ancient Vedic tradition, the Lord within the heart, He, is, he accompanies the soul while He's in this world. So he started to meditate upon that form. And as his meditation increased, he actually witnessed a most beautiful form of the Lord. Most beautiful. And he even kind of lost himself in the beauty. It was just amazing. And as soon as that he saw that amazing, beautiful form disappear. And it was just like Lord of the Rings. My precious. <laughs> just like if you just gain something that you've worked so hard to attain and then it disappears. So your attachment to that thing increases even more. And so he again tried to perform the meditation just as he had done before, following the same steps. But nothing appeared. But eventually he heard a very grave but sweet voice. And this voice told him that I have appeared and disappeared just to quench your to increase your attachment to give you a little taste when you taste this experience you'll deepen your attachment he said you will not see me again in this life in that form but go on in, your, in this way in your meditation so at this part I'm going to read his what Narada Muni was saying so let's see. Any questions? Where are you reading from? Oh, this is uh, Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, chapter, uh, canto, canto 1, chapter 5 and 6 goes over this story. Let's see. Thief. <laughs> Who's that guy? <laughs> <laughs> it says harmonium. <laughs> okay, let's see. Chapter 5 is what you've heard from me, and a little bit of chapter 6. It says, tears were, his eyes were filled with tears of ecstasy. The transcendental form of the Lord, as it is, satisfies the mind's desire, and at once erases all mental incongruities. Upon losing that form, I suddenly got up, being perturbed, as is usual when one has lost that which is desirable. 
server. I already spoke about that. So, the, and then in that meditation, when the Lord again appeared, just in, in a uh, vocal form, the Lord informed him something that is said in, in Bhagavad Gita. This is in the fourth chapter. Krishna says, Nihabrikam Nashosti, which means that anything that you do spiritually is never lost to you. Any type of uh, attraction or wisdom that you gain in this life towards the Absolute, it will carry on into your next life. And you'll be born as one of these kids who has like a, they have a natural attraction for spirituality. Or you might find in your own life that you've had attraction for spiritual wisdom. Maybe not attraction to religion, as Krishna says in Gita, Purva Vyasena Yukte Nahriyate Hyapisopisaha. That such a person, he's, he's greater than the, just the ritualistic religious, religionists, who's actually attracted, they'll be automatically attracted to spiritual principles and uh, the philosophy of spiritual life, not just uh, the externals of religion. So he says, this intelligence cannot be thwarted at any time. So even if you take billions of births, that wisdom and uh, intelligence that is gained is never lost. So he says, thus I began chanting the holy name and fame of the Lord by repeated recitation. So he started chanting, ignoring all formalities of this world. Such chanting and remembering of the transcendental pastimes of the Lord, our benef- benedictory. So doing, I traveled all the earth, fully satisfied, humble, and unenvious. <coughs> so again, he, he took his, to his travels, completely satisfied. Before this had happened, he had, was distraught. His, his mother just passed away. But now he was completely satisfied. And he had no envy, no uh, dislike of anyone. Usually, we use this word envy, we think oh, it's, that person has to have something that you, you want, that means envy. But envy, in, in Vedic terminology, means if you just dislike somebody, that's, that's called envy. And so, in the due course of time, I, who was fully absorbed in thinking of Krishna, and who therefore had no attachments, being completely free from all material taints, met with death as lightning and illumination occur simultaneously. So the lightning and illumination, the the analogy of that means that just as lightning and illumination appear simultaneously, his uh, death of this material body means that he was actually granted a spiritual body. Actually, while he was in the material body, his body was becoming spiritualized. But for a person who is on that path of spiritual life, who has perfected it, death is not um, just like you won't change from you know, seven-year-old to eight-year-old. So you change your body. It's not a, nobody cries that, you know, I lost my seven-year-old body. Now I just have an eight-year-old body. My seven-year-old body is gone. So similarly, death means that the, the old body, is, the diseased body is being removed. And if one is 
achieve spiritual perfection, they actually attain their original spiritual body. So his third life is coming up. In third life, he's narrating this whole thing. And um, it's coming up. Thank you, thank you. Having been awarded a transcendental body befitting an associate of God, I quit the, the body made out of five material elements. What are the five basic elements? Yeah. So those might seem rudimentary, but they're, they're found even on atomic level. Earth means mass. Water means a principle of cohesion. And electron and proton are stuck together because that's cohesive qualities there. Fire means energy. So you have even an atom, you have an electron. And air means the principle of movement. Ether is the space that it's all contained in. So he gave up. He, didn't, he now is giving up a material body and he's getting a completely spiritual, spiritual body. Thus, all of his karma, the reactions to his previous deeds, was stopped. At the end of millennium, when the Supreme Person, Lord Narayan, lay down in the water of devastation, Brahma began to enter, along, enter into him along with the create, all the creative elements. I also entered in, through his breathing. After four billion, three hundred million solar years, when Brahma awoke to create again by the will of the Lord, all the rishis like Marichi, Angira, Atri, and so on, were created from the transcendental body of the Lord. I also appeared with them. Since then, by the grace of Almighty Vishnu, I travel everywhere without restriction, both in the transcendental world and in the three divisions of the material world. This is because I am fixed in unbroken devotional service unto the Lord. Thus I travel constantly singing the transcendental message of the glories of the Lord, vibrating this instrument called Vina, which is charged with transcendental sound and was given to me by Lord Krishna. The Supreme Lord Sri Krishna, whose glories and activities are pleasing to hear, at once appears on the seat of my heart, as if called for, as soon as I begin to chant his holy names. It is personal experience by me that those who are always full of cares and anxieties due to contact of the senses with their objects, so those who are constantly worried about material things, can cross over the nations on a most suitable boat. The boat is the constant chanting of the transcendental activities of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It is true that, it is true that by practicing restraint of the senses by the yoga system, one can gain relief from disturbance of desire and lust, but it's not sufficient to satisfy the soul, for this satisfaction is derived from devotional service. So he's saying that uh, by the ancient yoga system, he's speaking specifically about Ashtanga yoga, meditation, one can gain relief from lust and desire, but the soul is still not satisfied. So that satisfaction only place, takes place when the soul enters into a loving relationship with the Supreme Person. 
So this is uh, a progression in these two lives. He actually makes a progression uh, through different states of consciousness. Um, the first one, which is not uh, discussed, is called Brahman, where we see that everything is made out of the same monogamous, uh, not monogamous, but a uh, homogenous. Thank you, monogamous. <laughs> Sorry. That too. Uh, homogenous energy. It's called Brahman, which means everything is made out of spirit. Even matter is a transformation of spirit. And so, one with the Brahman vision, they will see the soul and the body of an animal. They see the soul in the body of a human. They see the soul in the body of uh, a heavenly being or all different species of life with equal vision. And in this way they view the Supreme. In this way they view God. And the second stage is called Paramatma realization. It's like uh, the one that we talked about, the Lord within the heart. And the last stage is called Bhagavan, which means realizing that God actually has a personal form and there's a personal relation. There's actually an interaction. There's a real Sangha relationship. One analogy is just like if you... Uh, there are th three villagers that have never seen a train before. And so the first... Uh, all three villagers gather at the nearby station that had just been built. And the train's coming up. And what do they see? When they see the train's coming up, what do you see? They see a big bright light. So they run home. One of the first village family, they run home, tell all their friends they saw a train. Their friends ask them, what is a train like? They said, train is just like a big bright light. It's got a rumble and it's, it's powerful feeling underneath your feet and it's a big brilliant light. Like, wow, that's really nice. You're really knowledgeable. The next villager stays a little longer and he sees the cars pull up. He sees the gears, the smoke coming out. He, he even sees the uh, man pulling the, the little cord and hearing a choo-choo sound going out. He sees the engine and the caboose and he runs home and tells his friends and family what a train is all about. The last man, he gets on the train and he takes a ride. He feels the breeze in his hair. He sips chai in the cafe. He meets the train conductor. He sees what the actually train conductor is actually doing. And in this way, he learns more about the inter, uh, internal activities of the train and, and the persons behind the train. So similarly, the Vedic tradition says, uh, states that there are three levels of realization of the same thing. That God can be understood in impersonal energy. But if you go deeper, you'll understand that He actually is personal and He's intelligence guiding force within everyone's heart. And then if you go deeper, you'll find that He actually is a, a fully personal, a being that you can personally interact with. And so Narada Muni, he went from the stage of meditation where he was meditating on the Lord of the heart to the point where he was actually having a loving relationship through the chanting of Krishna's names. So that's a little story.
Anybody have some comments or questions? Uh, so, okay, to realize God, we have to realize our Paramatma first. I mean, no. We did, no. We do it you can take you can take the elevator or the stairs. So if you're in the Empire State Building, which one do you want to take? If you want to take the stairs, you can take the stairs, but that's possible. It may be it may uh, taking the stairs may be a process, which means uh, many many lifetimes, and that can be dangerous because we may just run away from spiritual life at some point and then just hope that we that inspiration comes back. Or we can just come to the platform of devotional service right in the beginning. And devotional service means relating to Krishna as a person. Relating to God as a person. And specifically the impersonal meditation, if you're relating to God impersonally, then you don't have that personal help. There's a story of uh, and Muni. He was meditating underwater for a long, long time. And he saw some fish mating. And then just thoughts of, uh, he saw some, just, just some fish mating. And he was underwater just meditating for a long, long time. And then ideas of family life and, and sex life all came back to him. And he thought, you know, I need to get a girlfriend. But that, that story is in relation to him because he, was not, he didn't have a personal relationship. And there's a story of the yogis like Haridas Thakur. He had, a, he had a personal relationship with the Supreme Being. And uh, illusion personified the most beautiful form of a woman came to him and said, you know, I really enjoy your, your lectures. You're such an intelligent person and beautiful person. Why don't you, we, uh, we enjoy together. And he said, yes, but uh, let me just finish my meditation. So you do 22 hours of meditation a day. You chant 192 rounds a day. And eventually, even his, uh, the effect of his chanting transformed the illusion into devotion. <laughs> Turned her into a devotee. Uh, you were speaking about developing our loving relationship with the Lord. So for a new person, how, how would they understand that, to develop a loving relationship with the Lord? What would, what would that mean to a new person who's just beginning? Are you raising your hand? Okay. Chaitanya Chandra, maybe he's, he's... Can you answer that question? I don't know what was said before, so I'm coming into this kind of, <laughs> but um, first of all, to actually come to the understanding that God is a person is a big step. It's not an ordinary conclusion that people come to that God is a supreme person. Most people think God's the energy and Some not clear understanding. Prabhupada came 
And he has such love for Krishna, just like if we have love for one of our relatives, we can tell them about that relative or that loved one. And we know that that's a real person because this person has love for them and they're telling about that person and what they're like. So, I think our understanding of that is to first come to the platform of understanding that God is the Supreme Person. And then, uh, we're chanting Hare Krishna. Just like, if you want to love somebody, want to get along with somebody, you have to have a, a nice relationship with that person. You have to communicate with them in a loving way. You have to learn what they like and please them. And then there's some relationship. So for us as devotees, as new devotees, we understand Krishna's God. So what is Krishna like? Krishna, for us in the beginning, Krishna likes us to chant a lot. Hare Krishna. And likes us to eat food offered to him. Simple, basic things. Uh, chant his names, offer food to Krishna, offer obeisances to Krishna. In the beginning, just to try and understand that Krishna is a supreme person is a big accomplishment. It's not, it's not an automatic thing. It, it, it takes some time, some time. So. Um, once one associates with devotees and can see, oh wow, look at everybody's going to the temple and they're bowing down to Krishna, they're chanting Krishna's names, they're eating these beautiful feasts and having all these nice festivals. Then we, you know, we get some idea that wow, there's some higher you know, some people come to it quickly, some people don't. It just depends. So our process is to try to understand our own spiritual natures first, in a sense, by chanting Hare Krishna trying to get some sense of our own spiritual identity as Krishna's servant. Kind of like self-realization to understand we're not these bodies and this is temporary material world. And uh, that there's something better to do here than just try to enjoy ourselves or just pay the bills. That there's something higher than that here. You know, the basic philosophy, basic understanding of just where we are in you know, the material world. So Bhagavad Gita presents it like that. Krishna presents it like that. We're not this body. We're eternal. The temporary material world is here. We're not temporary. Krishna tries to give a clear indication of how we're not the body, karma, and what we do. We get reactions for it, or we should do things that are sacrifices. That means you take some time to do something out of the ordinary to, like, offer your food to Krishna and chant Krishna's name as your sacrifices hearing about Krishna. In that way we begin to experience our inner spiritual selves, the energy of the soul in connection to Krishna. We just experience it a little bit, then it grows and grows and grows and we experience more and more. So in my limited understanding, my experience, that's kind of a basic uh, idea because to come to the point of loving Krishna, that's a great accomplishment. But to appreciate the devotees is practical also. To try to appreciate the spiritual nature of the devotees of Krishna and try to serve them. Because that's Krishna's recommendation. He says, if you want to know the truth, you have to approach a bona fide spiritual teacher. And serve that teacher here, especially here. 
from those persons. And that way from hearing submissively, then Krishna, who's in our heart, lets us understand him more and more. How are you doing? Come here. Uh, All kinds of cushions and chairs and couches everywhere. Anyway, I don't want to talk too long, but I don't know if that was okay, Melissa Charlie. That was very nice. That cool. really, uh, that really uh, gave a whole deep understanding or basic understanding, which is very vital. Because we can't jump further than we have the capacity for it. Though. So first of all, we have to understand what we're doing here and what's the purpose of life. You know, what is our spiritual personality? How is it different from our mature personality? At least philosophically understanding things clearly. Bhagavad Gita is so important because it gives a tremendous explanation and foundation to understand that. It's like a, it's our our whole understanding is based on Krishna's Bhagavad Gita. Without that, we don't. We can't, we can't actually step forward in spirituality towards Krishna. There's other spiritual paths, but they don't necessarily go towards Krishna. We want to understand Krishna. We want to appreciate his beauty, his intelligence, his humor, his relationship with his people, all of his devotees of Vrindavan. We want to understand that. We want to actually go to where Krishna is. Krishna is so wonderful. Prabhupada loved Krishna so much we can understand that Krishna was God. So we want to go there. <laughs> we want to be part of that because Prabhupada was there and his advanced devotees were also experiencing connection with Krishna. They're very happy. So we want to be happy. So if we experience the happiness of the devotees, that gives us faith in Krishna. If we experience the happiness of Prabhupada and his conviction, so when we experience that, of the advanced devotees, then we can see it all. Yeah, this is different. So, in my experience, that's where it came from. It came from being with the devotees and also from the top order, from the devotees. Sorry. <laughs> so, what were you doing? Just asking questions? Yeah. Anybody else? Nani, do you have any questions? Chaitanya Chandra, would you like to lead some kirtan?